may take all that back when this is over. <laughs> can you unclap? I don't guess you can. When it gets out, it's out. It's like a lie. When you tell it, you just can't get it back, right? So thank you, though. It's good to be back here. This is where I'm most comfortable and where God would have me to be. And uh, I appreciate the uh, privilege of getting a little... Um, healing time, and I definitely needed that, and I thank, uh, thank you for it. Thank you, church, for hanging here, hanging in here with us, and um, um, God has great things for us, I believe, and uh, God's already doing things, and I'm excited about it. I, I, I know sometimes it seems like, it, that, you know, you're good for a while and bad for a while, good for a while and bad for a while. I think it's kind of like the old boy, the, he was driving up a mountain. He didn't know anything about the mountaineers and he um, got to one of these great big hills and, and uh, stopped to ask some directions. He went over to the uh, boy, to the man sitting on the porch. He actually wasn't a man. He actually was a young man. He said, uh, my pa and ma had an awful time getting married, sir. Did you know that? He said, no, I just come to ask directions. He said, well, they did. They liked to never got married. He said, why? He said, well, Ma wouldn't marry Pa when he was drunk, and Pa wouldn't marry Ma when he was sober. <laughs> so things can change real, real quick, amen? Real, real quick. And the, the, the little boy, he, he, and I hope you don't feel that way today after it's over with, but the little boy, he got on his knees before God, and he said, God, God, you, would you just please, would you just please help our little league team or give us a new pitcher, amen? <laughs> so I'm the new pitcher today, and I thank Brother Mike. He's uh, preaching better than he's ever preached in his life. <laughs> amen. I want you to open your Bible. I'm just going to take back where I left off. Open your Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter number 1. Acts chapter number one, I was uh, preaching a series of messages called the Actions of Acts, and so we're going through the book of Acts, and I'm just going to start where I left off. So um, if you remember, it's been a long time, but I left off in Acts chapter number one, and um, I'm going to pick it back up in verse number 12 today. Verse number 12 is where we'll be, because up to this time, We've seen the crucif crucifixion is finished. Redemption has been paid on bloody Calvary, amen? We see the resurrection's been accomplished. The resurrection that Jesus promised, he was able to pull it off. We also saw he recognized that he was alive for 40 days. He didn't just get, they didn't just get a glimpse of Jesus, but he was alive for 40 days and over 500 people saw him. So they recognized he was alive. They, he told them this. He said, now, when I'm ascending to heaven now, but you remain in Jerusalem because not many days. Now, he didn't say how many. He said not many days. Now, we know it turned out to be 10, but they didn't know how many it was going to be. And then in Matthew 24, he says, until. Until could be a long time, too. And so he said, he said, I want you to remain in Jerusalem. And that turned out it was 10 days, but they was willing to wait 100 days if they needed to. 
But then the next thing we see, they receive the power of the Holy Ghost to witness it. But uh, when, they, when the Holy Ghost came, he gave them the promise that they'd be able to witness to anybody and they could give their lives to Christ, that God chose us to be his witnesses and we get saved. And then we saw him ascend bodily. We realized the fact that this man who walked among us ascended up through the clouds bodily. So that's where we're left today in verse number 12. Bible said, Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew and Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew and James the son of Alphaeus and Simon, Zalotes and Judas the brother of James, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Aren't you glad Jesus' brothers got saved? Amen. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the number of names together were about 120. Over 500 saw him, but only 120 was here. You know, it's kind of like your Sunday night crowd. Actually, here, our Sunday night crowd's good, like your Wednesday night crowd. And, and so he said 120 there. Men and brethren, the scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost spake by the mouth of David. And you can find that in Psalm 41, 9, Psalm 69, 25, and Psalm 109, verse 8, which before concerning Judas, which was a guide to them that took Jesus. And listen, for he was numbered with us and obtained a part of this ministry. Now, this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst, and all his bowels gushed out. Today, I want to talk to you on this subject, counted, but don't count. Counted, but don't count. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you, God, for this church. I thank you, God, that you've given us a great time to pastor here, for the good people here, for those who love you, those who witness for you. I pray you'll feed their souls today, teach them something, lead them into something, God, today that they hadn't thought about, and God, make us to be more like Jesus when we leave here today. And God, if there's somebody lost right now, and I'm sure there's somebody here that needs Jesus. May they give their heart to Christ right now, for it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The first thing I want you to notice about this text is the upper room. The upper room. We could call that a special place. You see, folks, in a Christian's life, you need a special place. This church ought to be a special place. It ought to be a place to where you can come and know when you get there it is a special place because you're going to be surrounded by people that know the special person, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you may have special places. It may be in your office. It may be at the altar at the church. It may be in your bed at night. It may be out at the barn. I, I don't know where it is, but everybody needs a place to get the confirmation from God to wait. It's hard to wait. I don't like to wait. Do you like to wait? No, hard to wait. 
And so all of us need a place to get confirmation from God to wait. You see, sometimes he tells us to go. Sometimes he tells us to wait. And so he got, they had this place to where they got confirmation by God to wait. But you also need a special place to congregate. Not just to wait, but to congregate. That's the church. You say, I have my church at home. No, you don't. You can worship at home. You can read the Bible at home. You can pray at home. But you can't have church at home. Now, unless that's all you got is a home church, unless you have others come in, because you see, the church is not your family. The church is a big family. The church is everybody that's been saved. And thank God we have to have more and more churches because when people get saved, we have to have local churches to put them in so that they can have a special place. This ought not to be a place we dread to come. This ought to be a place we're excited to come. And so they were there in the upper room waiting. Waiting is a hard thing to do, but they are there in that special place. And can you imagine maybe that special presence about that place? The upper room, the upper room. How much more today do we need to be in this special place as we see the day approaching? Folks ought not be giving God less. They ought to be giving him more now because he's about to show up, folks. He's about to show up every day on television. You hear something about something that's mentioned in the word of God, or at least if you have spiritual sensitivity, you can see it. And so understand, folks, we live in a day to where we need a special place. And Luke twenty-two twelve 12, call this upper room a large upper room. Now, an upper room was usually had an outside stairwell that went up to it. It usually uh, belonged to someone who was fairly wealthy, someone who had some money. And in the upstairs, they had a large room to where they could uh, have meetings or where they could bring guests and, and just have a large uh, fellowship or uh, there in their whole home. And so they had a large, not just an upper room, but a large, a very large, it must have been oversized upper room. And so 120 people had gathered there in that upper room. Folks, I'm glad tonight, today, that we're just not a check mark on God's book somewhere. You see, Judas here, the Bible said, was numbered with us and obtained a part of this ministry. Folks, we're not just a check mark Jesus knew every one of those 120 by name. Jesus knew every one of them. He heard every one of their prayers. He loved every one of them. He saved every one of them. And there they were, the upper room attendees in verse 13 and 14. He tells us some of them there. And Jesus keeps his attendees by names. Names mean something to God. Some of you wonder why that your parents hung that name that you have on you, that you got to live with the rest of your life. And, and, and today, we don't think too much about names. I'm hearing names now I never heard before. I can't pronounce them, can't say them. But to God, the name that he gives us is very, very special. And so he keeps up with those who was in that room. He gives us uh, some of the people there and the women who were there. He even says his mother was there and his brothers were there. So in the upper room, you have the attendees, but in the upper room, you have an absentee. His name is Judas Iscariot. 
He was not there. And God calls his name in this text. He was not there. He just wasn't there. Judas was the absentee. You see, we have to make in this special place some decisions. We go to this special place and we need to confirm that waiting is God's will. Today, some of you are struggling with, the, with God's will. You know, I don't know what God wants me to do. Just wait, he'll tell you. Well, listen, when, when, when God wants you to do something, you won't have to beg him for it. You won't have to look under rocks for it. It will hit you smack in the face. You'll know what the will of God is. Now, you might have to wait on it, but if you're willing to wait, God has the will of God for your life. You need a special place to get with God every day. So that he can speak to you. Are y'all with me? But you also need a place to congregate. Not just a place to confirm God's will, but a place to congregate with God's people. That's what this church is. You ought to commit this morning that you won't miss a service. Hillcrest Baptist Church, the rest of, his, rest of this year, that you'll be at Sunday morning, and you'll be at Sunday night, and you'll be at Wednesday night, and you'll be at every day, every night and day of the Bible conference that you can, and that you'll do everything you can to be where God's people are, because it's a special place to congregate. Amen. I don't know what I would go if I left this church. It's a special place to me. Is it a special place to you? If not, you need to find your special place. But now that's a special place to concentrate on one thing. You see, sometimes we're so distracted in our waiting and in our praying that we don't pray for one thing. We're praying about a hundred things and we're not concentrating on the thing God wants us to pray for. Now, you got to remember they couldn't pray in the Spirit because they had not yet received the Spirit. So they couldn't pray in the Spirit. Now, the disciples could because God had given them temporary Holy Spirit. John 20 says he had breathed on them and given them a temporary power of God during these days until the Holy Ghost fell and the church was birthed. So they needed a place to concentrate on one thing. And so only in that place, that upper room, could they concentrate on Jesus Christ how he had resurrected, how he had ascended to heaven, how he had promised that the Holy Ghost was going to come, how they could witness all over the world, and they were concentrating on that. You say, well, why would they pray when they don't know what to pray for? Well, they know what to pray for. They wanted to pray for people to get saved because he'd already told them they're going to be witnesses. So they're praying for people to be saved. He's already told them he's going to birth the church, so they're praying for the church. They're praying. They're praying for each other. They're praying. And so here, we have a place to concentrate on one thing. I, uh, I don't know, but I don't know where donkeys can talk or not. But I know one time they did in the Bible. Balaam's donkey talked. Not only did he talk, he had more sense than Balaam did. Right? Now, I don't think that's probably, there's probably not real donkey talk out there where they talk to each other. But if it were, I believe that this little donkey came from that same place. Jesus must have known somebody in Jerusalem who had become a believer. Perhaps it was Nicodemus' house. Perhaps it was Joseph of Arimathea's house. 
Perhaps it was somebody else that, that was a secret believer, but he, had, he was ready now to come out for Christ, and he let them use this place. And so maybe it was his donkey, but I don't know. But he led him up there, and Jesus rode down on that donkey. They was in that large space and because it was a safe place for them, the large upper room. And uh, I believe outside the donkeys had a little conversation. I believe that young donkey said, you, you, you know, guys, I know I'm young and I, I'm inexperienced. And, and I tell you, the first time somebody got on me, I was, I was getting ready. I had intended to buck him as high as I could and then take my back feet and kick him in the next year. I really meant to do that. Now, I know that, that I, 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 I'm, I'm young, but I really thought I, I could really have myself a time when the first person sat on me. But they led me up on Mount Olivet. And when they led me up on Mount Olivet, there was a man that started coming toward me and they were throwing palm branches down and saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna to the king. And he said, all of a sudden, the closer he got, the more, the more peaceful I got, the more calm I got. He said, the closer he got, something started happening in me. And then he sat down upon me, and I started down that hill, and something happened in me. I didn't want to buck no more. I didn't want to butt no more. I didn't want to bite no more. Friend, let me tell you something. If you ever meet Jesus, it'll take the buck out of you. It will it take the bite out of you. And this is what Jesus, I believe those donkeys were talking. You say, you can't prove that. You can't prove it. Didn't either. Because <laughs> donkeys are a beast of burden. You know what donkeys? Well, I said I hadn't seen any dog. I've seen two-legged donkeys. <laughs> Have you? Yeah. Yeah, don't, don't look around trying to figure them out. But there's two-legged donkeys. Now, I'm going to tell you something, friend. When you see two-legged donkeys, that means they're doing something they ought not to do because they're not in the right position. They're probably gossiping or lying or telling a tale or, 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 or causing some kind of division. So when you see a donkey standing upright, you tell them, why don't you get down on your legs where you belong and have four feet, all right? And, and so I guess that's the only donkeys I've ever heard talk is donkeys with two legs. But God wants us to be like the donkey. The donkey's a beast of burden. And he wants us to let him sit in our life and sit on the throne of our heart. And he wants us to bear the burdens he places upon us and live the life he wants us to live. And so we become a two-legged beast of burden. That's what he's talking about here, the upper room. Isn't that a wonderful place? Now, as I said, the Holy Spirit had a special temporary giving of the Holy Spirit. You can find it in John 20, verses 19 through 23. I'm not going to go there. But what happens is, is Jesus knows there's going to be a period of time before the Holy Ghost falls upon all of those. And so he breathes on his disciples and he gives them the power that they may be able to do what they need to do during this period of time. And so only they had 
the Spirit of God in them as it's going to as it is in us. The others had it on them, but not in them. Are you understanding? And so, so look, look at the second thing. Not only was there the upper room, we could say that that was a uh, the upper room was a special place. But secondly, there was a unique selection. We could call this a special replacement. Acts one verse fifteen. In those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the number of names together were about 120. Now, I want you to notice something. Who stood up? Peter stood up. There was 120 people in that room, and Peter stood up. Uh, Peter had already denied the Lord. Peter had messed up in his life. But when it come time to stand up, Peter stood up. You know why? Because Peter was the leader. He was the leader, and he stood up. You have to have leaders in your church. By the way, this is the first glimpse of any kind of church government that you'll find in the New Testament. So I want you to see how it happens, okay? Some of you don't understand. You come out of churches, has monthly business meetings, and vote on work. How, how, you know what kind of toilet paper you're going to have, what it smells like. What, cut, what kind of Febreze you're going to be spraying in the choir? Come on. We don't do that here. Right. We're not going to start doing it because it's unbiblical. Amen. You don't find that in the Bible. Amen. They don't do that in the Bible. And so what happens is, 1 Peter 5, Peter stands up and says, listen, you're to be the overseer and you're not, you're, you're not to be made to do it. Amen. You're to be willing to do it. Now, oh, yeah, you got a target on your back. Oh, yeah, it's going to be tough. But you're the overseer, and that's the way it has to be. Here's the way a church ought to run. A biblical church ought to be pastor-led, deacon-served, people-supporting, and God-honoring. That's the way it ought to be. Amen. You say, well, I, don't, I, I just don't, I, I can't go with that. Well, then you can't go with the Bible. Read Acts chapter 20, verses 26 through 30. Read Hebrews 13, verse 7 and 17. He not only talks about there, he gets straight with it there. Amen. How was they to choose an apostle when they'd never done it? How do you choose an apostle? Never had chose one. Jesus did it all, right? So now they got to choose an apostle and they'd never done it. So their leader, Peter, stands up and he had to make some decisions. First of all, it was a scriptural decision in verse number 16. He said, it, 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 scriptures must need be fulfilled with the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake. I don't know about you, but I believe in verbal inspiration of the scripture. What I mean by that is I believe that God verbally spoke and the scripture was written. I don't think it was passed down through some liberal's hands and let them change it along the way. I believe God literally spoke. And here the Bible clearly says he does. The Holy Ghost by the mouth of David. Ain't that good? So when you pick up this book, it's just God talking to you. It's God talking to you. And so I thought the church was supposed to be a majority rule. You know where you find that in the Bible? In fact, the majority is usually wrong. Yes, Amen. Not majority rule. This is not a democracy church. It's a theocracy church. Amen. 
God runs it. God gets to run it, and he has an order in which he runs it. First of all, it's got to be scriptural. Notice this verbal inspiration of scripture. Now, you, he said to them not to vote, but to wait. Wait. Why? Because the Holy Spirit, listen to me. The Holy Spirit, this is why I'm against business meetings. The Holy Spirit cannot vote yes and no on the same matter. Mm-hmm, I, I said that. The Holy Spirit cannot vote yes or no on the same matter. Either one is right and the other is wrong or both wrong. Mm. Well, that hit somebody, didn't it? Got you. You say, well, you know, we, we almost got that preacher called. We got 75%. I don't know a preacher anywhere going to 75%. You're going to make enough enemies to get in there. You don't want to go with 25% against you already. Good night. So not only was it scriptural, it had some qualifications about it. Verse 21, 22. You see, this man had to be chosen, and he said, First of all, he had to be baptized by John the Baptist and started following Jesus from the time of John the Baptist. He heard all that Jesus taught, just like the disciples did. He was there all along and all the way up to the time that they seized Jesus and took him away. This, these, that had to be a qualification if he was to be chosen to be an apostle. They had, a, uh, they had to also know, see his resurrection and his ascension. Now, these were the qualifications. And so, now, you know we, what we do in Baptist churches today? We ignore those. And we change them around a little bit to fit our life or to fit our friend's life, our best friend or our buddy. You see, folks, the church don't operate on a buddy system. The, the church operates on a Bible system. And so, look, there's qualifications the apostles, not the 120, chose only two who were qualified. Just two. Now, I'm sure there was somebody out there that said, well, I don't know why they just chose two. I know about four good men in here that have been chosen. Amen. Well, you know, there probably was four good, probably 20 good men, probably 60 good men, maybe 80 good men in that group. But there was two chosen. If you're not chosen for something and God's at work, why are you upset about it? Well, why does that tick you off? You see, the reason it ticks you off is because you're in it for your glory, not his. You see, because when God sets aside two, you ought to say, now God, we need one and we want your will to be done. And so there's the qualifications. But there had to be some administration. Verse number 25 says that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship, which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. In other words, when he was selected that day, he would just step right in as the 12th apostle and begin to do while all the other apostles was doing, and that was to be the foundation of the church. You do know that, right? Yep. So 
church government ought to operate like this. The master, the pastor, and the lasters. Now, who are the lasters? The lasters are faithful deacons that will be faithful to the end. It's faithful Sunday school teachers who will be faithful to the end. It's faithful choir members who will be faithful to the end. It's faithful, it's faithful just maybe pew sitters, but you know they're going to be there every week. They're the lasters. Amen. They'll hang in there with you to the end. They last. Amen. That's the way the church ought to be. The masters, that's him. The pastor and the lasters. And where you, whatever God's gifted you to do, I don't care if it's give out bulletins, where it's, where it's to clean up, where somebody's messed up, where to go around and, and on Sunday and, and, and pick up bulletins, throw it on the floor, whatever, to God, whatever you can do for God, just do it. Just hang in there and do it till he comes. Amen. That's what he's saying. There has to be some administration here. So when they were chosen, they would administrate who would do that. Now, notice how they did it. They they took lots. Now, they, don't go home and get your monopoly set out and get the dice and start playing God, all right? Amen. Don't do that. God don't want a railroad track or hotel. No, he don't need any of that stuff. He's, he, he's, lots could be used as gambling. But lots also was used many, many times in the Bible. You know they divided the land by lots? Right. Oh, oh, yeah. It was used all the way. You find a lot of things that happen by the casting of lots. You say, well, how could that work if you just, I mean, that's just chance. No, it's not chance. Let me show you why. Look in Proverbs 16.33. I believe that's right. Yeah, 1633. Y'all got it? The lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. I mean, you can say seven come eleven all you want to, but it's going to come up what God wants it to. And so they weren't gambling. They were choosing. After the Holy Ghost comes and fills the church, this process is never used again. Good, Why? Because now the Holy Ghost in us amen. helps us to know those decisions. And we're right with God and right with each other. We'll have the master, we'll have the pastor, and we'll have the lasters. But today we've complicated it and we've got the Easter's. They just come once a year. I tell you something. Else. We've got the Caspers. When you need them, they just disappear. We've got the Dashers. They run hard for a while, and then they just sit down and give out, and you don't see them anymore. And then you got the Crashers. They wreck anything that don't go their way. They quench, grieve, resist, and lie to the Holy Ghost. But then, thank God, we got the cashers. Woo! I'm glad we got them. Because we can get paid on Friday. You, you, you see, they're the people that faithful to tithe and those that have the gift of giving to go way beyond the tithe. And even, even you can give beyond the tithe. Those are the cashers. They love to be a part of giving to the church. But then we also got the treasures. 
They'll trash your name. They'll trash your church. They'll trash your friends. They'll trash your class. They'll trash your choir. They, they may use tears, lies, clicks, clans. They may get someone else to do it, but they'll trash it. And so because that, because you got those, the trashers, God now has raised up the mashers, the squashers, the people who when you start messing up, they gonna fix you up. They clean that mess up. They're the, they're the mashers. Some of you jump on me this morning. I dare you because there are some folks in here that'll mash you. Y'all better not let me down now, Glenn, okay? Y'all be with me. They'll mash you. So for, every, for everything that Satan throws against us, God says this, Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Somebody say amen. amen. And so this is the very same thing that happened to the priest's garment. When the priest, when they needed to know the will of God in the Old Testament, there was something called the Urim and the Thummim, okay? One of them meant lights, the other meant perfection. In other words, if you wanted to know the will of God, you went to the priest and somehow either those, one of those sparkle brighter, I don't know how it happened, we're not told, all we know is those two made the decisions. Why? Because the Holy Ghost never votes yes or no. He only votes one way. God's way, right? And so this is what happens here. And it comes up Matthias. And Matthias is now the 12 apostles. You say, why does it have to be that way? I think it's Paul. Well, you're wrong. Because Paul don't meet the qualifications. Paul was an apostle to the Gentiles. In fact, you'll find 15 people in the Bible called an apostle. The word apostle means to be sent out. And so there's the office of the apostle. There was only 12 of them. But then there was a few that was sent out, like Paul, who was an apostle to the Gentiles. So understand that Matthias is going to be, his name is going to be written on one of the walls of heaven. Twelve names, his is going to be there. You say, is mine going to be there? No, yours not. Mine's not. Just twelve. Y'all okay with that? You say, well, I still think that sounds a whole lot like gambling. Let me me just, let 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 me say this this way. Under God, casting lots was for choice and decision. Under Satan, casting lots was for chance and gain. That's the difference. That's the difference. And so God used it, and so I don't think that God has a problem with it then, but once the Holy Ghost comes, we don't need any more lots. When you've got him living in you, why do you need lots? I look at the third thing, and I'll be done. Thirdly, there's an unfortunate suicide. Judas... Verse 17, he was numbered with us and obtained part of this ministry. You see, Judas was counted among the twelve, but he was no count. He was no account. He was numbered. He was numbered, but he was no 
account. Where are you standing on that today? Does it matter to you? Where are you standing? Where do you stand on that? I mean, think about it. Hey, you, you got your, your church, you got your name on the membership roll of the church somewhere. When you ask somebody where they go to church, they say, well, my, 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 my membership is over. Well, I can't think now. Been so long since they've been. But their name's on the membership. That means sometime they got baptized and they think they're all right and they're going to heaven and they enter the church door in 25 years. I doubt it. Some of you's on a Sunday school roll. Some of you's on a choir roll. Some of you may be on a toilet roll. I don't know. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, folks, being on the roll don't mean you're on the roll up yonder. Amen. He was counted with them, sitting right beside you today. Somebody might, listen, listen, listen to me. Y'all listen to me? Judas healed people. Judas preached. Judas was able to cause blind eyes to see. Judas, for three years, heard every word that Jesus said. Judas got in on everything that Jesus did. But he died and went to hell. Maybe somebody sat beside you, and you in all your heart, you said, I know they're saved. I know they may not be. They're on the roll. They're counted, but they're no account. You see, I don't know how it all happened, but John 13, Jesus goes and he washes Judas' feet. Don't you know Judas, after he'd already talked about selling him out, must have felt miserable when Jesus, the humble servant, kneels and washes his feet and looks up into his eyes and said, it's almost like the Spirit of God was saying to him, Judas, it's not too late. Fall on your face and get saved now. It's okay. I'll go to the cross, but get saved now. But he did. The Bible said he walked out of the room and it was night. It was night. He never saw the light of day again. His life was filled with eternal darkness. Think about that last Passover he was at. How could you sit there and take the cup that spoke of his blood, the bread that spoke of his flesh, his body, still say no to Jesus? Jesus knew he was lost. In John chapter 7, 17, verses 9 and 12, he even prayed that. In John chapter 6, he even says it. And in John 13, he even says it to Judas, and Judas knows he's talking to him, but nobody else does. Nobody in that group thought it was Judas. Every one of them said, is it me? Is it? Hey, is it? Could be. You've been numbered and you've been counted. We've got over 2,700 members of this church. We may lose a few here and there and gain a few here and there, but I don't know exactly the exact number, but it's over 2,700. We probably got 1,000 here this morning, so 
That means we've got 1,700 people, some of them we can't even find, don't have an address on. They could care less if this church even existed. And they want to walk around saying one day they got saved at Hillcrest and everything's all right in their life. I doubt it. Oh, yeah, they're on the membership roll. They even got on somebody's Sunday school class roll. In fact, they may have been rolled from a teenager all the way up to the senior adults. Who knows? And yet they don't know Christ. They've been counted, but they're no count. So Judas couldn't stand it. Everything in his life was past. Notice in verse 17, for he was. Everything about him was in the past. He had nothing to look forward to in the future. Everything about him was. It was. It was. Folks, I want some things to be. It is. It is. And the Bible says he goes out to that potter's field to which he'd bought just enough to bear himself and a potter's field is where they would take the broken pottery that, that wouldn't yield to the potter's hand. It was worthless. It, it wouldn't let the potter do with it what he wanted to do. It wouldn't, he wouldn't let the potter make it what he wanted to do and it would become deformed and messed up and when it hardened and it got too hard for the potter to work with, he would throw it to the field. I've got pieces of it all over. That's how they date different generations by the way the pottery was made. And there was the potter's field it was called the Valley of Hinnom. It was also the garbage dump where they brought all the nasty stuff from the temple and they put it there and they brought all the garbage of the town and they put it there and the fires never went out. Fires burned all the time. In fact, when Jesus used the word hell, that's the word he used, the word Gehenna because in hell, the fire never goes out. And the Bible says he went up and hung himself. He, he messed that up. He messed up hanging. That's why I, I couldn't commit suicide. I'm afraid I'd mess it up. And I'd be in worse shape. I couldn't. I'm scared. I'm scared to do it. I just don't have it. Yeah, I, I couldn't do that at all because here he even messed up a hanging. He tied it to a tree and the limb broke. And he fell way down there and hit those pieces of pottery and rocks and his and he burst open and his bowels gushed out on the ground. I know that's not nice right before lunch. But my wife watches Dr. Pole and, and all that stuff where they're delivering calves and, you know, and, and, they were, and they're doing surgeries on dogs and, and there we are trying to eat I don't want anybody in this place today to be a broken piece of pottery. It's not worth anything for God. You're on all the rolls, but you're no account. Oh, you're numbered. You got, you got your number. I was there today. Count me, count me. I was there today, but you won't be there. Here's something I've noticed and probably you've noticed it with me. But in John 14, when he was comforting his disciples, the first place that Jesus really spoke about heaven, this is what he said, I go and prepare a place for you. 
Y'all going to that place? That's the place I want to go. But look what it says about Judas. He died and went to his own place. I want to go to his place, not that place. So today I plead with you with all my heart. I beg you that you'll come and give your heart to Christ. You know why some people don't get saved? Because they never repented of their sin. They confessed it by stating it to God, but they never turned from it. Never intended to turn from it. God knew that in their heart, so he didn't save them. Acts even tells us that God grants repentance unto life. In other words, if you come to God and in your heart you don't intend to turn around, you just want to state the sin, or you just want to call the sin, or maybe you don't even do that, you just want to cry a little bit before God, but you've never really turned from your sin. You haven't repented. So I just want to ask you if there's anybody here that needs to come and repent because I believe you'll feel just like that little old donkey did. If Jesus ever sits on the throne of your life, You'll never want to go back to what you was. So today, I know this is a terrible tragedy that happened to him, but that same tragedy has happened to people every day. They're counted, but they're no count. Counted, but no account. Now, we've talked about today Counted, but no account. You see, one way that we can know that we're counted and we are account by God, we've been numbered and we're on his roll and we're saved is to get to that special place. If you sit under the word most of the time, many times you'll get saved. If you can sit under the word on a regular basis and you don't get saved, there's no hope for you. Why don't you start making your way to the special place? And, and, and not just on Sunday and Wednesday night, but have you a place where you go and pray and where you go and read the Bible and where you go and cry and where you go and talk to God. Just have you a special place. Because when you have a special place, you count. You say, well, God got all these other people praying. He hears yours, the Bible says. He said, he said, don't worry about me. He said, fill me up with prayer. I don't even sleep, he said. And so you have a special place. And then in the church, we learn something about church government today that God will pretty much use all the way through the book of Acts and through the rest of the New Testament. And some of you may have rebelled against that. Some of you may have problems with that. Don't, don't have a problem when God states something is good. Don't call it bad. Don't call it, don't dishonor what God has honored. And so maybe you need to do some business with God about that. Maybe there's some people you need to come apologize to, some people you need to get right with. I don't know about between you and God. But then thirdly, if there's somebody here you don't know for sure in your heart, if you died, you'd go to heaven. I want you to get up out of your seat and walk down here and say, today, I want to be saved. I don't want to just be on the church roll. I don't want to just be baptized. I want to be saved. I want Jesus in my heart. I want to repent from sin and receive him as my Lord. 
and saved.